0: Justifying evil actions in the pursuit of good intentions, a respected Marvel hero crosses the line. Are you just watching episode 128, Doctor Strange Multiverse of Madness? Welcome to the podcast that shares critical thinking for the entertained Christian. I'm Eve Franklin.
1: I'm Tim Martin.
0: And... Well, we couldn't let a Marvel movie go by and not talk about it. Well, actually, yeah. we've let other Marvel movies go by without talking about them. This one might have been a good one to pass on, but... yeah, uh, eh. Yeah. There's a lot to talk about in it. <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah. It, 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 this is one of those ones where we're going to, uh, or, or at least I'm going to sacrifice my feelings for the art. Because, you know, I'm all about the art.
0: Yeah. Or the discussion. I'm not sure this is necessarily what we could call art, but it's definitely Uh, uh, a valuable discussion. At least I hope it's valuable to some people. Yeah. The ones that actually actually tune in and listen.
1: Yeah. I I feel like this one does have some important themes to discuss. We don't see a lot of, you know, hidden agenda, hidden ulterior motives in, in films these days because. There's no longer a need to hide them.
0: Right. They're not hiding it. It's all out there in the open where we can talk yeah. about it. So, uh, you know, we might be struggling to say some things we liked about this movie, which is odd because we usually come into a Marvel movie having had fun watching the movie. I- I'm trying to think of how else. To- I mean, I can't say that I had a good time watching Infinity War or Endgame. They were hmm. both hard movies to watch, but they were still Fun.
1: Yeah. Yeah. They were engaging on a positive level.
0: Right. Right. Yeah. And we're gonna get fairly deep into some of the discussions about this movie, but it is interesting from a Christian worldview, just from the offset, that this movie has to do a lot with magic and sorcery, which from the general fare of you know, Marvel, it's typically not something we, you end up talking about, unless you're talking about Doctor Strange yeah, or the Scarlet yeah. Witch. It's usually more superhero fare, and this is more sorcery and witchcraft. So I think that we, we'll find a, a different angle of discussion than we typically do on just the exploration of the hero, which is typically where we end up with Marvel stuff.
1: Mm-hmm. You know, I, I don't know in when- the comic book side, if they explain it away the same way they do in the MCU, but it seems like they are taking sorcery and witchcraft in the MCU and and basically just saying, these are two other sources of power. Right. You know, you've got your mutants, and that's one source of power. You've got your science, that's another source of power. And now you have your extra dimensional powers of witchcraft Miss- and- uh, witchcraft. And sorcery yeah
0: yeah sorcery yeah yeah so this movie and you know we'll try to talk a little bit for a little while without spoiling it but <laughs> to be honest i'm not horribly concerned about spoilers if you're tuning into this and you haven't seen the movie then you, then you're probably anticipating not going to see it cuz i can't imagine anybody who's concerned about spoilers tuning into this episode without having first seen the movie yeah but the music was good. We can say that. It was yep. by Danny Elfman. I typically have no problem with his scores. He's he's usually fun and energetic.
1: Yeah. He does uh he does a good job matching the music to the
0: right, the feeling right. of the
1: scene and everything, yeah.
0: And with this movie, obviously because it's a twisted mind bending movie, there's a lot of <laughs> twisted mind bending music in it. So
1: little Jerry Garcia.
0: Yeah, so it's good music, and it's high-energy music. I I was listening to it for a little while uh, leading up to recording, and it was hard to find any soft parts, so it is definitely Mm. a a high-energy soundtrack. So we'll play just a little bit of it here so you can get a taste of what this movie felt like. was the music.
1: <laughs> I don't I, – I haven't listened to the soundtrack. I don't recall. They didn't use much of any, if any, pop music in this one, right? It was all no. original score.
0: Yeah, and typically with Marvel, they don't tend to use, uh, except for Guardians of the Galaxy. Yeah. I think mostly they tend to stay away from pop music. Yeah, that's true. So this was uh, a Phase 4 movie. Let's so see. Phase 4 would be after Endgame, right? Yep. So we had The Black Widow. We had two Spider-Man movies. So we had Shang-Chi. And then there was The Eternals, which I think most people tended to wish that we could forget ever happened. (laughs) I haven't actually seen it. So I can't speak to that because I actually avoided going to see it. And I haven't had Disney Plus, so I haven't had an opportunity to
1: watch it. It's not one you really need to go out of your way to watch either.
0: Yeah. Now, the setup from Multiverse of Madness was definitely WandaVision. So if you haven't had Disney Plus and you missed WandaVision, you're going to miss a good fraction of the backstory for this movie. And not really quite sure if anybody will truly understand what's going on if they haven't seen WandaVision. They may not understand what's
1: going on if they have seen it.
0: That's true. That's true. This movie definitely takes you on quite the ride. Now, I had a friend before I went to see it told me that he thought the movie did not conform to what he would consider PG-13. And he thought it should have been rated R. So I had actually warned Tim about that before he went to see it. And Tim saw it the first time before I saw it the first time. And he replied that he did see where my mm. friend came to on that. So yeah, the movie is a little bit graphic and kind of almost like a horror movie in places. And Yeah.
1: You know, if anybody is familiar with Sam Raimi outside of the Spider-Man movies, mm-hmm. it makes a lot more sense. Because I am familiar with the Raimis from, <laughs> and I'm almost ashamed to admit this, Xena Warrior Princess. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Ted Raimi was one of the characters, one of the recurring characters in there. And, you know, that was my introduction to Sam Raimi. Bruce Campbell is a close friend, apparently, of of Sam Raimi's and cameos in every one of his movies. Hmm. So there were movies that they did together called the Evil Dead movies. And I think there were three of them. I saw the first one maybe thir- twenty years ago, thirty years ago, something like that, mm-hmm. and completely forgot how much gore was in it. Yeah, but even then, it was still it was campy gore, you know, right. very campy gore. So Raimi brought that level of gore to this, but it it's not campy. Uh, yeah, not at <laughs> it, le-
0: not at all. Yeah.
1: It's not realistic, but it's not unrealistic either, if that makes yeah. sense.
0: Yeah, so this movie definitely, I would, you know, attach a bit of a watch with care mm-hmm. kind of label to. it. I mean, if you're an adult and you've seen all of the Marvel movies and you really want to see it and you haven't seen it yet, I'm not going to say it's worth your time and money, but... I wouldn't say don't go see it. I, wouldn't, I don't think it's nearly as bad as what I've heard of The Eternals was. Mm. But it's definitely a watch with care. I would have to say that I did not care for one of the main characters. Mm. Her name is America Chavez Chavez. And the character to me felt very generic and almost like she was a token character. Like she was fulfilling a role. A role.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: So, I don't know. For me, character building is everything, and I really did not feel like her character was built very well. So, I, I didn't.
1: I agree with you on her character as presented in the Multiverse of Madness. They they really didn't do her character justice, which is not to say I'm all that fond of her character in the comic book you know, universe. But she is a much better developed character in the annals of comic books, even though she's a newer one. 2017, I think, is when she was first introduced.
0: And still what you would call a diversity.
1: Yeah, diversity casting.
0: (laughs) Yeah, she's, yeah. And unfortunately, that's, I think, to her detriment as a character. It's like she had to fill so many intersectional roles that it was like she she was in an identity instead of a person Mm -hmm. and unfortunately i feel like that's where we're going with our culture is that we're more concerned with a person's identity than with the person
1: that's what identity is right that they yeah (sighs) no never mind i'm not gonna get started
0: on (laughs) that yeah that could get us banned yeah But the other character that was a bit of a surprise, and I've already said, you know, introduced the fact that you have to have seen WandaVision to have this movie set up properly. The Scarlet Witch is, this is a sequel to her presentation in the WandaVision. So she's a very main character in this movie. And I don't really care for what they did with her. I don't think she was as relatable as they wanted her to be. And this is a bit of a spoiler, but I did not enjoy seeing her cast as a villain.
1: I would argue that this is a sequel only to the post-credits scene in WandaVision. (laughs) WandaVision. Yeah. And that it is completely, almost completely unrelated to the character in in the nine episodes leading up to that post-credits scene. Yeah. To be perfectly fair... I thought Elizabeth Olsen's performance was very good. Mm-hmm. I thought she was doing a good job playing a tortured soul villain. But, you know, it comes, it comes back to redemption arcs. She had gone through this redemption arc through the entirety of WandaVision, where at the end she was remorseful and repentant. And suddenly that is all gone. And that irritates I came out of Multiverse of Madness feeling like I had wasted the time that I watched WandaVision. Yeah. That bugged me.
0: Yeah, I don't know. I, I think that they did a little bit set that up in WandaVision, her becoming a villain, because of you know they, the fact that they tagged her as the Scarlet Witch, that her chaos magic only served one of two purposes. And while she, as Wanda, had had that redemption arc in WandaVision, the fact that she had gotten a hold of the the Darkhold, the Book of the Darkhold or whatever it's called, and was pursuing her magic, maybe she thought as Wanda that she could pursue it without being tainted. Mm. I think that they set that up very well, where they were pointing out the fact that what she was doing would turn her bad.
1: Yeah, that, that might be, yeah.
0: So, I don't know. I, I hate that they went that direction with her character, but I'm wondering, I, without knowing very much about Marvel outside of the Marvel Universe, I don't know mm. what was done with the Scarlet Witch in the comic books, but this did not fit what I wanted to see, so it made it harder to watch.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: I don't think this is a movie that I will spend a lot of time watching over and over again. I think the one one viewing was probably enough for me.
1: Yeah, there there are a number of Marvel movies, along with a number of other movies out there, that if we happen to be flipping through the channel and we see that it's on, we'll settle on it and, and watch it just because we enjoy it. Princess Bride, Fifth Element, you know, they're in there. Mm-hmm. Captain America, the first Avenger is in there for me. But this is one that I'm not really all that interested in reliving
0: yeah and you had to see it twice so <laughs> <laughs> and we haven't actually talked much about Doctor Strange as a character which is funny because this is a Doctor Strange movie who's he who's he yeah, yeah. he's a character played by Benedict Cumberbatch
1: oh I love Benedict Cumberbatch
0: <laughs> yeah well. he
1: was great in Sherlock <laughs>
0: I wouldn't say he's bad as Doctor Strange. I just, no. for some reason, I don't connect with the Doctor Strange character. And that might be because of the sorcery and the and his arrogance as a character, mm-hmm. which actually comes out some in, in this movie. I don't know. I, he's they, just not my favorite.
1: They highlight it in this movie, too. It's almost like the yeah. same way, uh, you know, I've complained before about the the tendency towards antiheroes mm-hmm. and strange's character is sort of that way but he's not an anti-hero i just don't know what word to use for it he's like he thinks he's better than everyone else <laughs> an arrogant, <laughs> arrogant hero yeah
0: yeah yeah so so a funny fact tim and i both saw this movie on mother's day Mm-hmm. And so we, we, call, we talk about this as that we visited a demented mom on Mother's Day. So,
1: <laughs> Yeah. yep. Demented mom.
0: A demented mom. Yeah. Now, Justin Pierce, who is affiliated with the Christian podcast community, I saw him post on Facebook just the other day. That he watched a movie about a demonic witch who murdered everyone so she could slaughter the lesbian hero who guided the anti-hero through different levels of hell, dimensions including lesbian world where she was from, so that he could use the demonic powers to fight the demonic witch. (laughs) I was like, well, you know what? That's a pretty good synopsis. Yeah. He's not wrong. (laughs) He's not wrong. Yeah. A lot of it has to do with demonic stuff. (laughs) Okay. Okay. I guess that's our initial reaction. I think anything we say from now on will definitely be a spoiler. So if you've listened this far and we haven't already spoiled too much, we're definitely going to spoil more going on. You didn't know going into
1: Multiverse of Madness that Wanda was going to be the villain.
0: Yes, but you find out fairly quick. Yeah, yeah. It's not like it's an end of the movie reveal kind of thing. So
1: No, it's what, first 10 minutes?
0: Yeah. Well, maybe first 15. I don't know.
1: <laughs> yeah. Very early in the movie. Yeah. I just miss the Captain America hero style, you know, somebody I can fully invest in. And even though he might struggle with moral questions and struggle with the idea, can he support a government that is, you know, trampling other people's rights? The attitude, the... uh arrogant attitude of Doctor Strange, the the hero so of you know so many other characters. I I sort of want to go back to the good old days, so to speak.
0: Yeah, I think our next movie is going to be another Thor movie, I believe. So I'm hoping that one has the lighthearted feel that the last Thor that movie had. Cause, yeah. 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 I'm looking forward to something that's just kind of fun to watch. So Getting on into our theme discussion, the the very first line that seems to stand out in the movie, that's repeated, I think, at least five times.
1: Yeah, easily.
0: Easily. Is the question, are you happy? And in most of those cases, it was addressed to Doctor Strange, asking him if mm-hmm. he was happy. And I got to thinking about that as, as Tim and I actually, our very first episode that <laughs> we podcasted together, was on the movie The Pursuit of Happiness, in which I think we probably a third of our discussion was on, uh, should we as Christians pursue being happy? And it's an interesting discussion. You should go back and listen to it. We'll have a link to that episode in our show notes. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, episode 44, if you want to look it up. The interesting thing about being happy, at least in my opinion, is that we have a whole culture Nowadays, I mean, it's part of the mm. the identity culture, the intersectionality culture, all everything that is going wrong with our society, in my opinion, has boils down to this need to feel happy, to feel fulfilled, to feel like people care about you, that you're special, where you you allow the circumstances of your life to dictate how you feel, because yeah. if you feel like you're being Excluded, then that makes you feel lonely and upset, and you can't be happy because in your current environment people are being mean to you, or uh, misgendering you, or mm-hmm. racism, or you know all the different things that we can pick out as being reasons to not be happy. And the fact that they repeat this question so many times in Multiverse of Madness puzzles me, because. Dr Strange is not really happy, but he never really fully answers that question either so it's not like it's not like the question really served a purpose in the story of the movie. it just kept coming up over and over again yeah. at the
1: at the very end, Wong asks strange the question again, but even then the answer sort of fell flat
0: yeah I mean, and, it, well, you it certainly know, and wasn't
1: I, mem- memorable.
0: Now, I think actually Dr. Strange asked Wong the question at the end.
1: Oh, yeah, that's true. Yep.
0: And I think that Wong's answer probably came closest to being a decent answer. So Wong's answer to to Dr. Strange asking him if he was happy was, that's an interesting question. And then he says, sometimes I do wonder of my other lives, yet I remain grateful in this one, content even with each tribulation. So, I'm thinking about that, and his comes probably closest to what a Christian answer should be to the question is, are you happy? Because Mm -hmm. our happiness is not based on our circumstances. It's based on our identity as children of Christ who are saved. We have eternal gratefulness to a God who saw fit to give us a way out of our circumstances, if that makes any sense. so. We, we have joy because Christ saved us from what we deserve being sinners. And so if we deserve eternal damnation because we're sinners and Christ saved us from that, then our eternal perspective is nothing but gratefulness and contentment because we have every reason to be joyful regardless of our circumstances. And so that is really... The answer to that question is it's not about happiness it's about joy it's it's about yeah. having the attitude of joy
1: Yeah <laughs> when you put that uh, that theme in here I I was thinking yeah there's got to be a a couple different verses for that and I was surprised because I had always thought of happiness and joy as two two different things and mm-hmm. there was no lacking of websites and commentary that that suggested that it is two different things. Uh, one compassion dot com says happiness happens to us even though we may seek it, desire it, pursue it, etc. Feeling happiness is not a choice we make. Joy, on the other hand, is a choice purposefully made. Which I thought was a, a pretty good d- definition. But the more I thought about it, the more I think happiness is a you, it, you know, it, it's an about you thing. It's a selfish thing. Mm-hmm. Um. Happiness happens to you. Happiness happens for the stuff that makes you happy happen for you. But joy is something that you push out from within you. You take joy in God. You take joy in, you know, the natural vista. You take joy in your children and your pets. It is a fruit of the Spirit. You'll notice in Galatians 5, 22 through 23, it doesn't list happiness as a fruit of the Spirit. It says that, but the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And then he says an interesting thing. The law is not against these things. And that goes back to God's law and to natural law. And I, I think that's important to note, particularly given where our discussion is going to go moving forward.
0: Yeah. And I was just doing a quick search in the New Testament. And I noticed like in 2 Corinthians 7, joy in several verses is referenced in addition to afflictions and trials. So like in 2 Corinthians 7, Mm -hmm. 4, it says, I'm very frank with you. I have great pride in you. I'm filled with encouragement and I'm overflowing with joy in all our afflictions. How many times can you say you're happy because you're going through hard times? Yeah. And then in 2 Corinthians 8, 2, he says, During a severe trial brought about by affliction, their abundant joy and their extreme poverty overflowed in a wealth of generosity on their part. It's just like joy is not attached to your circumstances when it's spoken of in Scripture. It's always regardless of your circumstances. It's something that that comes out of I guess, like you said, the, the, the fruit of the Spirit in your life, because that's the mm-hmm. only place it can come from. If you're being in a bad circumstance, and yet you can react to that with joy, that's not something that we in our human nature can have. So I think there really is a, a difference. I don't really see happiness being spoken of in Scripture in the same way.
1: Yeah. It's, so. I feel like there's a lot of places where it's used interchangeably, but I think in concept, it is two different things. I think it helps, particularly in in context to this movie, I think it mm-hmm. helps to think of it as happiness being a selfish thing, whereas joy is a selfless thing.
0: Yeah, and you see the first time that Dr. Strange is asked that question, it's when he's attending the wedding of his the love of his life, who's marrying someone else. And she's asking him, are you happy? And, you know, he's attending the wedding of somebody (laughs) who he loves who's marrying someone else. So in that situation, no, of course, he's not happy because the circumstance is bad for him. Mm -hmm. And, And then she proceeds to tell him why they could never have been an item because he was arrogant and, self-serving so his happiness you know when she's asking him the question she's asking him are you still happy in your selfishness You know, because you're arrogant and self-interested and and all of those things and i think later in the movie he tells the other christine that he loved all of the versions of her and that he was frightened or scared of mm-hmm. pursuing a relationship with her so What she took as perhaps as being arrogance was actually fear on his part. But anyway, all that to say that he wasn't happy, but he wasn't happy because he was also selfish. So it does come back to your definition there of happiness being a a self-centered thing. Yeah. Well, we have lots to talk about, so we're going to move on from that one. I do want to remind you that you can support this podcast. Are You Just Watching is listener-supported, and we want to give thanks to our current patrons, Isaiah Santiano, Craig Hardy, Stephen Brown II, David Lefton, and Peter Chapman, who give to us generously month- on a monthly basis. You also can do so by going to patreon.com slash areyoujustwatching or areyoujustwatching.com slash Patreon. Both of those will take you to the same place. You can also support us by donating on PayPal, and the URL for that is paypal.com slash paypalme slash A-Y-J-W. All right, so there's another line in this movie that appears almost twice. Hmm. I say almost twice because she repeats it later on in the movie but doesn't finish it. So Wanda, when she... Is coming up against because she is the villain, as we've already established. Um, she tells Doctor Strange that she's not a monster, she's a mother. Because if mm-hmm. you watched One Division, you would know that she created for herself a life with the dead vision and created for herself children that aged rapidly. Yeah. And then she had to destroy them both in order to end her occupation of this town that she was basically holding captive to her own grief. fantasy. So she has now become a little bit focused or a lot focused on being able to find her children in the multiverse, which, as I think I've heard several people say, is a really strange motivation because she doesn't have – they never really existed to begin with. So, Mm -hmm. And I think it was you had maybe written in your notes somewhere that even when we do see her in the multiverse, Vision's completely out of the picture. I'm wondering whether – Vision is out of the picture simply because he was not contracted to be in this
1: movie. <laughs> that thought crossed my mind, too. Poor Paul <laughs> Bettany couldn't get in.
0: <laughs> they couldn't afford one more Marvel characters.
1: So. <laughs> you know, one thing I was thinking about in the time leading up to our recording of the episode was there's a similarity here between the Mandarin and Shang-Chi and how he was hearing whispers that his dead wife was alive behind the barrier. Mm -hmm. And Wanda hearing whispers that her imaginary children existed in other versions of reality via the Darkhold. And I I can't help but to wonder if this is not an intentional link between those two movies – to create a, you know, how phases one through three had the, you know, the the arc of yeah. Thanos, right?
0: Right, yeah.
1: I wonder if we're not seeing the first elements of an arc of some ultimate evil that is looking to take advantage of this multiverse incursion thing.
0: Yeah, I mean, that's definitely a good way of looking at it. I mean, and th- that's really biblical, too, because we have the... The ultimate villain in Satan, who whispers to people the things that they most want to have, yep. creating that desire that leads them to sin.
1: Because they can't, they can't be happy without it.
0: Right, right. And so I can definitely see that as a tie-in that could be being used there. Because, like I said, I haven't seen the eternal, so I don't know how that fits into everything. But there definitely yeah. was something that I don't
1: see how it does either. And I have seen it. <laughs> No, I I seriously I I don't see any relation between Shang-Chi or Doctor Strange tying into the Eternals. I just don't see it yet. I'm sure that, that we will, but so yeah. far I don't see it.
0: Yeah. And then we have in the in some of the TV shows that have been going on. I have I'm not completely caught up on them because I'm not currently subscribed to Disney Plus, but I did watch Hawkeye. Recently, And we have, you know, whispers of information like to uh, the Black Widow's sister to convince her that Hawkeye was her enemy and mm. and other things like that, that, you know, we, we've got this aspect of people being told the wrong things that lead them yeah. to make decisions that are not good for them and not good for society. And so, yeah, I can definitely see kind of an undercurrent of that in Phase 4 which I don't know whether it is good or bad <laughs> gives us yeah. something to talk about anyway. So, we have Wanda as a demented mother and which I think I wonder if the mom was a an intentional. If that was act.
1: intentional. Yeah. Yeah.
0: <laughs> Maybe. I wouldn't put it past them. we are like, I, "Oh, I, look, I, if we if we name it this way, we could say
1: my- I sort of feel like, you know, some intern said, "Oh, hey, you know, if you wait, if you if you release it before Memorial Day, you can play on the mom thing. Yeah. You know, somebody latched onto it. Yeah. I I just want to go out on a limb and say, no, she's a monster, not a mother.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Because she never really was a mother. She made up children out of yeah. whole cloth and basically never really raised them because they rapid age through the hard parts. You know? Exactly. Yeah, so she didn't have to like be a mother of an infant for very long. She didn't they just said, pay
1: her dues.
0: She didn't pay her dues as a mother yeah. So she has these strong emotions regarding her children, but they're not necessarily real children. They're figments of of her imagination that she has latched onto as being a motivation for doing evil. And I think that's why she didn't finish when the second time she says it in the movie, she says, "I'm not a monster." And she can't finish it because she realizes that she's been faced with the fact that she is a monster. Because she's literally scaring the boys to death and destroying their real mother. Yeah, Yeah. And and she's faced with that, the fact that she has become the monster. And, you know, that leads to her redemption arc, what's left of her redemption (laughs) arc in this
1: movie. 45 seconds that take up the actual redemption portion.
0: (laughs) Yeah. So the, it does beg a question: Is is a mother justified for evil when it's for the love of her children? In this instance, her made up children that don't really exist, I would definitely say no. But there is a little bit of a dilemma there. It's like if we we typically talk about this as like the the mama bear syndrome, where you mm-hmm. if you threaten my kids, you're going to get the the savage end of me kind of thing. Yeah, and. Right. I'm not a mom, so I can't speak to the maternal instinct, uh, and I have seen it portrayed in a lot of fellow women who are moms. So, I know it's real, that maternal instinct to defend your children against anything, but I don't think that that is a justification for doing evil. No, Maternal instinct is a beautiful thing that God created in women in order to make them have that special bond with their children. He gave that and I think fathers have it too, that paternal instinct mm-hmm. to protect and to to raise in a godly way. And I don't like to see that perverted. And so her justification for doing evil because she's a mother is it doesn't work from a from any standpoint. It simply doesn't yeah. work.
1: And that does tie back to the fact that, yeah, I mean, she is demented and that, that is what the dementia is here, mm-hmm. is, is that she believes it's justified. You know, if you look back through the annals of not just ancient history, but recent history, there are instances where a parent had to allow their child to come to harm because they refused to do evil, because they refused to renounce Christ. Mm -hmm. And it's not uncommon for evil people to use our offspring to try and strong-arm a reaction or an outcome that they want.
0: Yeah. I mean even and- in current culture right now we're seeing that with the the Supreme Court justices being, you know, protested yeah. in their homes, their families put at risk, they're having to get security, they've never had to have security before and now they do because people think that they can threaten their families in order to get them to change their minds on a on a court case. So it is, it it definitely is something that we have to take into account, you know, that our families can be threatened and and how we react to that. Mm-hmm. One of the scriptures I picked out for this one was First Peter 3, 8 through 9. It says, finally, all of you be like-minded and sympathetic, love one another and be compassionate and humble, not paying back evil for evil or insult for insult, but on the contrary, giving a blessing since you were called for this so that you may inherit a blessing." And I'm thinking about that as like, we're called as Christians not to pay back evil for evil. Mm -hmm. And that's really hard to do, especially (laughs) when you feel like you're being wronged. But in this instance, you know, she wasn't even being wronged. It was, she had evil desires. She
1: she was convinced that this is what she deserved. Mm -hmm. So she used her ungodly power to take it. Yeah, and woe betide anyone who gets in her way.
0: Yeah, yeah. She, I think at one point she said, "Me not personally chasing after America is a is a mercy." And I'm thinking, yeah, because you are more of a monster than your demons that you're sending after yeah. her. <laughs> no yeah. kidding. And in Proverbs 17:13, it says, "If anyone returns evil for good, and e- evil will never depart from his house." And America Chavez had done absolutely nothing to the Scarlet Witch. Right. She was a complete innocent in all of this. So for her to to be chased down and even used badly by an alternate reality Doctor Strange, Mm -hmm. she was a complete innocent in all of this. And she was being treated like she was, I'm I'm not sure object is the correct word, but...
1: A resource
0: a resource. A, yeah. Instead asset of a person. to be acquired. Right.
1: Actually, it, more like she was a container for her power. Mm. Because, yeah. you know, Scarlet Witch, she just wanted the power. And in the movie, she explains that she had to take the power, even though she could completely manipulate America to take open her where she wanted portals, to go. Wherever yeah. she wanted to go. Right. Mm hmm. Wanda argued that she needed to take the power so that she could always be in a, a position to save the boys if something did not go right.
0: Right. Because somewhere in the universe, there was a, a cure for every illness and a solution to every problem. So mm. she needed to be able to go anywhere in the multiverse in order to find those cures and those solutions. Ugh. Hmm. Crazy.
1: Yeah. I- when I think of what it means to be a mother, I, I always go back to Proverbs 31, which is not specifically about being a mother, but about being- Godly woman. Oh, godly yeah. woman, yeah. So I grabbed Proverbs thirty one twenty five through 29. Strength and honor are her clothing, and she can laugh at the time to come. Her mouth speaks of wisdom, and loving instruction is on her tongue. She watches over the activities of her household and is never idle. Her chi- children rise up and call her blessed. Her husband also praises her. Many women have done noble deeds, but you surpass them all.
0: Hmm. That's definitely not Wanda.
1: <laughs> no, <laughs> that is the uh, the opposite of what we see in in Wanda Maximoff, and I think it's important to remember this, even in the the discussion of feminism. This is a a noble woman. And it really is something to be aspired to.
0: So before we move on, I do want to remind you, you can share feedback and you can talk to us about what mother means to you if you want. You can comment on the show notes, which will be for this episode at areyoujustwatching.com slash 128. You can send a text or leave a voicemail at 513-818-2959, or you could email feedback at areyoujustwatching.com, and audio files are welcome. We do appreciate hearing from all of you, so please give us some feedback.
1: So I had a a topic that I wanted to talk about because it really ties into... The Doctor Strange aspect of the Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness movie and the original Doctor Strange too. And, and that's Strange seems to think that the ends justify the means and uh, Wanda does too, for that matter. In Multiverse of Madness, we see Strange accuse Wanda of breaking these laws. And then, you know, lo and behold, 30 minutes later, he's doing the same or worse in the goals that he has determined are important. Uh, The movie opens with one of the alternate universe versions of Strange called Defender Strange, deciding that the only way to prevent Wanda from capturing America's power is to take America's power for himself so that he could better defend it which would of course kill america chavez
0: right um, and then you also have the the other the other doctor strange in the the one that was no longer there in the other multiverse was had used the darkhold and become addicted to it
1: yeah sinister strange right but you know it, first off there's no way that they would better protect it you just the, in the movie we see wanda just wipe Carmitage off the map so to speak, she does more than decimates it. She she kills all but two of the people I think in it,
0: which makes you wonder where all of the the people in there come from at the end when they
1: yeah yeah because you come back and everybody maybe they were all just you know unconscious <laughs> and six one six Doctor Strange our Doctor Strange turns to the dark hold at the end of the movie because he's convinced that this is the only way to rescue America Chavez and this is with full knowledge of the explanation of dreamwalking which he now knows can literally destroy realities
0: right they collide
1: it causes something that they say is an incursion and I'm I'm convinced I'm sure nobody needs convincing, but this incursion idea is something that's going to be driving movies for the next, you know, little while, particularly given the first end credits sequence or the mid-credits sequence in Multiverse of Madness. Right. So he risks the deaths of trillions, (laughs) trillions on the level of Thanos to dreamwalk From the universe he's trapped in, the reality he's trapped in, into the reality that is the one that they call the 616 reality, where America Chavez is captured and being held by Wanda in preparation for the theft of her powers. And he not only dreamwalks, he dreamwalks into a corpse of another Doctor Strange from another dimension. Which makes it all the more likely that his dream walking would cause an incursion because Reed Richards, the eight six what was it eight six three version of Reed Richards, explains that dream walking is more likely to cause an incursion the larger the footprint or the larger the impact you have in the process of your dream walking, hmm so. You know, he does this, and then while he's doing this, dreamwalking in a corpse which is far too decayed for how long it's been in the ground, yeah, uh, because definitely. we're talking Ramy here, he's attacked by the souls of the damned, they say, and is reminded that the action is forbidden, which he explained to Christine before he did it, it is a forbidden action. They never say right. who actually forbids it. I would assume it's a ultimate power. <laughs> Maybe <laughs> I God? <laughs> but if it were oh, God my. then, you know, he wouldn't be able to do it. But anyway, so he he just violates issue after issue puts so much at risk. He risks far more than he seeks to save. And there's this funny scene in the movie where he and chavez just gotten to this new reality this 863 reality and he gets accosted a food vendor who mistakes him for a cosplayer essentially and when the food vendor goes to squirt mustard on him strange casts a spell on this guy and forces him to punch himself for 3 weeks And that just jumped out of my mind. So not only is he forcing his own will upon this victim, but his own will is forcing an assault of this victim. (laughs) So, I mean, it's just short of a mind rape.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's definitely uncalled for, for the level of, of aggression that this poor food vendor had. I mean, he'd been stolen from and he didn't deserve any of that. And, and then I think they almost did it as a cheap stunt just to have something to throw at you at the end of the credits because they knew everybody was going to wait all the way to the end of the credits. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh,
1: yeah. And this was Bruce Campbell's cameo in the movie because, like we said, every Sam Raimi movie has a Bruce Ca- Campbell cameo. But it still speaks to Strange's character of, you know, setting aside the rules when they don't suit him.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: And for me, it ties it back to the Ten Commandments. But in our community group this week, we were studying the Heidelberg Catechism, question 111. And that question reads, what does God require of you in the Eighth Commandment? And the answer in the Heidelberg Catechism is, I must promote my neighbor's good wherever I can and may deal with him. As I would like others to deal with me and work faithfully so that I may be able to give to those in need. And that really does, it shines a light in my mind of how poorly strange is acting. He considers himself the ultimate authority and and the final arbiter of all laws and regulations. He's able to set them aside if he feels that his need is greater which is so utterly selfish. Laws yeah. are there to protect the society as a whole, not the people as individuals. The protection of the people as individuals is a a secondary effect, not a side effect, but a secondary effect of the laws. We follow laws when we're driving because all the other drivers on the road know what those laws are And expect us to follow them. If we don't follow them, then we risk injury to ourselves and the other people, the other innocents on the road.
0: Funnily enough, that is actually kind of a Western appearance, because I've heard of – I've actually seen videos of people who drive on the roads in, like, India, and they have Mm -hmm. no traffic laws. And there's cars going every direction. And if you go back to when cars first started appearing – uh, mm-hmm. in our big cities they didn't have like lines on the roads and whatever i mean people just yeah. you know the the road the cars would come up behind the horse and wagons and and just go around them and void trolleys that were had the tracks laid in the middle of the road i wouldn't necessarily say law is the correct word for that i think it's more of common Regulation. observance of regu- oh, okay. of I don't know. I th- I, I'm not sure law is the correct word for what that is. I mean, it, we call it law in our society, but it's more mm-hmm. like common courtesy uh, yeah. that's been regulated.
1: Regulating morality? Come on, you no. can't do that.
0: <laughs> no, I think it's more a common courtesy than morality. I, because, I mean, how many of us break the law every day when we exceed the speed limit when we're driving on the interstate? I mean – Nowadays, if you go the speed limit on, this, on the interstate, you're going to become a traffic hazard because nobody yeah. else is going the speed limit. So it, it's become this, you know, oh, well, you can go 10 miles over the speed limit, and not get pulled over. So is it really a law? Is that mm. traffic? I mean, yes, you could go to jail. And if you exceed the speed limit, get a ticket and don't pay it. But at the same time, it is it is kind of like a common accepted mode of, of you know, common courtesy when you're traveling. So,
1: yeah. I could go that was a bit I could, of a buddy trail. <laughs> I could go off on on laws like uh the minimum shoplifting value minimum value of uh of stuff that has to be shoplifted for the crime to be prosecuted,
0: <laughs> yeah in California yeah.
1: anyway, so you actually while we were talking about this pre recording, you actually had found a scripture for me. I appreciate it i wanted to take a moment to read it here. It really just reminds us about the importance of human governance. Mm-hmm. First Peter 2:13 through 17, submit to every human authority because of the Lord, whether to the emperor as the supreme authority or to the governors as those sent out by him to punish those who do evil and praise those who do what is good. For it is God's will that you silence the ignorance of foolish people by doing good. Submit as free people not using your freedom as a cover-up for evil, but as God's slaves. Honor everyone. Love the brothers and sisters. Fear God. Honor the emperor. And it's important to remember that when Peter wrote this, which the emperor The Christians was it? were. Was, yeah. It, was it Trajan by that point? It, it Or it might have been uh, even Caligula, right?
0: I don't know. I don't. I don't have the in person. But, i, I mean, had, like to.
1: You- <laughs> yeah. Either way, he was a monster who Hated went out Christians. of his way to yeah. kill Christians everywhere they found them. And here's Peter saying, "Hey, <laughs> doesn't matter if you like him, honor him."
0: Yeah, you know it's a very difficult position to be in, especially going into where I possibly see our country going, it's like, how do we honor a law that doesn't respect us? Mm -hmm. But the Christians in Rome were being fed to lions, so – yeah just for being christians and we're going to come up more and more on that kind of thing and i just want to mention in passing just uh speak to my former co-host daniel j lewis he's run into some of that stuff where he's very recently come up into an issue where he lost a very good position with a podcasting community because he was a christian and we're going to see more and more of that where we get deplatformed and we get discriminated against, but all in all, we are still called as Christians to honor our government and to do what is good, not to replay evil for evil.
1: Which is not to say that we shouldn't use the tools that our form of government gives us to try to enact change for good.
0: Right, right. It doesn't mean that we become apathetic and do nothing, especially in a government for the people, by the people. You know, we have tools at our disposal to stand firm on our faith and, and to be public about it. But, and I strongly encourage us as Christians, this is not a political podcast, but I do strongly encourage all of us to stand strong and to stand up and be vocal because if we don't, what freedoms we have will go away. We have to use, as, as Tim says, the tools that we have legally, not mm-hmm. illegally, but legally we have tools. That that we can use to stand for our faith and for our brothers and sisters in Christ in government, in in our country so far. That was a bit of a bunny trail, but a necessary one.
1: (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. So there was a line in No Way Home that is repeated at the beginning of this one. Right. Um, In the grand calculus of the multiverse, your sacrifice is worth more than... And it gets cut off because he gets stabbed. (laughs) (laughs) Whoops. But, you know, Strange is is all about making sacrifices.
0: Of other people. (laughs) Of other people.
1: Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Not his own sacrifices, which goes back to the theme topic, which is the ends justify the means. Mm -hmm. And I always want to say, no, the ends do not justify the means. If they did... Then we would not have Christians eaten by lions. Right. They would have risen up and, you know, fought their captors. But the fact of the matter is, it's not that clear cut. And to illustrate that, I have two scriptures of two different times in scripture where the person referenced as being, in one case, a faithful person and in the other case, as a man after God's own heart. So the first one is Joshua two, four and five. The woman had taken the two men and hidden them. So she said, yes, the men did come to me, but I didn't know where they were from at nightfall. When the city gate was about to close, the men went out and I, I didn't know where they were going chase after them quickly and you can catch up with them. So this is, (laughs) which is, this is Rahab lying to cover up the fact that she is hiding the two spies underneath the reeds on the top of her house. So lying is bad, right? Or is Mm -hmm. this where the ends justified the means? And Rahab is in the book of Hebrews. She's listed in the halls of faith. Mm -hmm. And then in 1 Samuel 21 verses 12 through 15, and this one has always confused me to the point where I've had an email chain with my pastor about it. David took this to heart and became very afraid of King Ashish of Gath so he pretended to be insane in their presence. He acted like a madman around them, scribbling on the doors of the city gate and letting saliva run down his beard. Look, you can see the man is crazy, Aishelis said to his servants. Why did you bring him to me? Do I have such a shortage of crazy people that you brought this one to act crazy around me? Is this one going to come into my house? And, you know, David is clearly acting in... With the intent to deceive here, mm-hmm. so it's hard to to look at these and say, okay, they shouldn't have lied.
0: You know, my position on some of this stuff is we have to remember that the vast majority of the Old Testament is history. It's mm-hmm. not prescriptive; it's descriptive. It's describing something that yeah. happened. It's not necessarily saying, "Oh, Rahab lied to these people. Go and do that," or. You know, David pretended to be crazy to get out of a bad situation. You should do that too. It was more of this is historically what happened. And God forgives people, you know, the, the sins that they do. I mean, we all do sins on a regular basis. Sometimes we lie simply by omission. Sometimes we lie by actually telling a lie. Sometimes we exceed the speed limit, as I said earlier. God forgives us our sins, and these were, I think, if anything, these instances in Scripture a lot of times were just to show that these were fallen people that God used in circumstances to further his will. And was he saying prescriptively, this is the way you should do- you should behave? No, I don't mm-hmm. think so. I don't think that yeah. any of these situations in the Old Testament are put there to say, go and do likewise.
1: Yeah, that's a good point.
0: And people who take the scripture out of context and twist it to say things it doesn't say, that's exactly what they typically do, is they take something that is a historical description and turn it into a prescription of what God wants us to do. And Uh, that's never the case.
1: Yeah, that's a good point. Okay, Uh, that's what I want to talk about with uh, the ends justify the means.
0: Okay, well, before we move on to I think will be our last topic. I do want to remind you to connect with us. You can subscribe, rate, and review this podcast wherever you get podcasts. It's very interesting. I was hearing a discussion the other day. They were talking about the fact that podcast is actually an archaic term now because uh. the the, re- the reason it was called podcast was because it was something that you listened to on your Apple iPod. Apple iPods no longer exist, but yet the term podcast still exists. So, but you can subscribe, rate, and review us wherever you get this podcast, whether it be on Apple or Amazon or Spotify or... I can't even remember where all of them are now. Yeah, we
1: have Stitcher. Uh... Stitcher.
0: <laughs> we should be available on pretty much all of them. So if, if wherever you wish to listen to us. You can also join our Facebook discussion group, which you can get to go by going to com slash community. Or you can join our Discord community, which we'd really prefer that you do, which is com slash community discord. And if you come to Discord, you can actually join us while we record live if I give you enough warning, which on this episode I didn't give enough enough people enough warning for them to join us. So, we are doing this without a listening audience today. But we would love to have you come and join us and chime in when we're doing these recordings. So, on Discord, this is actually a really good <laughs> transition. We had a new listener in uh, the UK come in and give us some quick discussion about this movie before we came to record. And he was talking about the Books of Power, which are presented in Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness. And one of them is called the Book of Vishanti. And the other one is the Darkhold, which we've mentioned a couple times already. So I'm going to read what he said, because I think it's it's really introspective. Agreed. This is from Chris, and he said, I had a thought about the use of books in this film. The first book we see is the Vishanti, the so-called good book that will allow the reader to do whatever they want. I found it interesting that this was always out of reach, never used and elevated on a pedestal. And it appeared there was only one of them, too, in all of the multiverses. That was my aside. I wonder if this is how people can sometimes want to use the Bible, wanting to take things out of context and use them to support whatever they want. The purpose of the Bible is never what we want, but what God wants, and it's only pointing to him. I'm going to ignore that they say The Darkhold is a bad book. Dr. Strange uses it so it can't be all bad. Uh, um, Uh, Yeah, Yeah. (laughs) jury's out. Jury's out on that one. But that it is one of the books of power. I found it interesting that both the villain and the hero use the same thing to different effects. This reminded me of Matthew 4, where the enemy uses scripture to tempt Jesus. So I thought that was an interesting position on elevating the Bible to something that people make use of. Also, just the thought of, you know, if the book of Ashanti is kept out of reach and elevated, a lot of people do treat their Bible that way. They may yeah. own a copy of it, but it stays on a shelf somewhere. It's not something they actually get into very often, which it's interesting because y- you really should read the Bible if you're going to speak to what the Bible says. I, just as a <laughs> a quick aside, I've started listening to this show that comes on every weeknight called Timcast IRL and you can find it on YouTube and they have this character uh, character. They're real people. They're, it's a, it's a political- <laughs> he is a character though, I guess. He is a character though, yeah. It's a political social commentary type news show. And they usually have a group of people discussing current topics. And one of the regulars on the show, his name is Ian, and he is in a spiritualist atheist, it's really hard to pin him down. He's very much of a high philosophy, mystical, he he comes at things from really weird angles. But he doesn't have a very good understanding of what Christianity is and what times he speaks to it. It's usually from a very twisted, self-experienced, but not really understood position. And so in a recent episode, it's actually the Tuesday, May 10th episode, they had him at the very end, Tim Poole, the actual guy who is the, you know, the brains behind this the titular all. character. The, yeah, the host. Or the titular
1: um, host, I guess.
0: Yeah, who is not a Christian. He's actually, a, I, I would say, an avowed agnostic. Tells Ian straight to his face, you know, Ian, you really should read the Bible if you're going to speak to these matters because you don't know what you're talking about. And I just died laughing because I was like, this is the agnostic telling the atheist that he needs to read the Bible. Mm. And when I kind of thought about that when I was reading Chris's take on this is that, you know, this book, the, the book of Ashanti, they think it will contain the solution to the problem that they have, but they never actually – the one time that he lays hands on the book, it gets destroyed before he can read it.
1: Right, yeah
0: and it appears to be the only copy like the dark hold exists in every multiverse but the book of ashanti seems to be kept in a, a gap in between the multiverses or something like that so there's only one of them so the way that i understood the presentation
1: in the movie is that the dark hold which is the text scribed in the walls in melt mangalore or whatever it was that was only in that one reality but every book you know every copy of the book the dark hold that made it was into just multiple. all copies of yeah that they were all copies mm-hmm. of the the one you know location
0: which is why the scarlet witch was able to destroy all of them when she destroyed yeah. it that that the that's, fortress. that that yeah. was
1: my take on it yeah um, i interesting. was i was actually interested in in from a storytelling perspective how often they come back to A good book, evil book, you know, paradigm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I'm curious, I didn't get a chance to really look into it, but I am curious if that really can all be traced back to holy scriptures, Jewish scriptures specifically. Or if a good book versus an evil book concept existed in storytelling before that.
0: Well, this is... But
1: here, it's very clearly good versus evil.
0: Yeah, that's what I said. It's more of just the the yin and yang of magic. So you have the, yeah. the good magic and the dark magic, and the Darkhold contains the dark magic, which you're not supposed to do. And the Vishanti is a fabled book that has, the I guess, the good spells that can counteract the bad spells in the bad book or whatever. Yeah, so-
1: what they said, it, it'll give the reader anything he needs to, to beat his foe, I think is how they described it. Uh, a very...
0: Very vague Vague. description. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, then that goes back to your to the ends justify the means. It's like anything, anything. (laughs) So who knows? Now, I got to thinking, you know, just putting this in the context of books, the Holy Scriptures is while we consider it a book in Scripture, it's referred to as the word of God. So you have John 1, 1 that speaks to in the beginning was the word and the word was God. that for us, the Holy Scriptures is far beyond a book that we can yeah. set on a shelf and have gathered dust. it is a living, breathing aspect of Christ, personified in the person of Christ, and so therefore it's not just a book that's been translated into multiple languages throughout you know the times. There is so much more than that, and so while I see you know the the connection, I'm not entirely sure. I completely agree with it. And then to describe the Bible in, in its entirety, I like to use the scriptures from Second Peter 1, 16 through 21. For we did not follow cleverly contrived myths when we made known to you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Instead, we were eyewitnesses of his majesty, for he received honor and glory from God the Father when the voice came to him from the majestic glory, saying, This is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased." We ourselves heard this voice when it came from heaven while we were with him on the holy mountain. This is the first person from Peter, who is an apostle who is present. And then he says, we also have the prophetic word strongly confirmed, and you will do well to pay attention to it as to a light shining in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts. Above all, you know this, no prophecy of scripture comes from the prophet's own interpretation because no prophecy ever came by the will of men. Instead, men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. So the holy scriptures, the holy word of God is not a book. It is a message from God. And it is a living, breathing document. Not because it can be changed, but because it is unchangeable, because it represents God's Mm -hmm. message to man. And I think those are strong words, you know, to describe it.
1: Holy, inspired, God-breathed.
0: all of those things, which I don't think really apply very well to the good and bad books that we see used in Multiverse of Madness. But I I do appreciate Chris's bringing that up, you know, especially the concept of the good book being elevated on a pedestal that nobody can attain. It's unattainable, unreachable. And thankfully, the Bible is not unreachable and unattainable. And especially here in the States. I mean, you can get it on your phone and read it when you're waiting at the doctor's office. You don't even have to carry a bulky book around with you. It's pretty Mm -hmm. fascinating how accessible it's become.
1: Yeah. That is crazy. My grandparents would, uh, would not be able to grasp it.
0: Yeah. I do think we need to, as Christians, be a little bit more careful about hiding the word in our hearts, though. It's become so easy to look things up on our phone. If somebody mm. took that app away from us and came and burned all the bibles, oh yeah. How much scripture would we have in our in our, I mean, I think of, you know, people who have t- been taken captive and put in dark holes in the ground, you know, like the Christians who are persecuted in China who are thrown in prison. They don't have access to the scripture. And we're not that far from having it all disappear from our lives as well. It's become so casually easy to obtain that we can't even picture in our minds what it would be like not to have access to the Bible. But I think it's a good reminder to all of us to be working on our Bible memory, to, to be not just reading the Bible, but committing it to memory so it's there if we can't ever put our finger on it again.
1: Mm-hmm. That's a good point.
0: Yeah, it's it's very important to us. There is one last thing that I want to talk to. It's a premise of this movie that is a little twisted. Well, a lot twisted. yeah. <laughs> there's a way that they deal with dreams in this movie that is really spectacularly weird.
1: Yeah, very.
0: In the the words of one of the characters, dreams are the windows into the lives of our multiversal selves. So when you fall asleep and you dream that you're, you know, you're running or you're chasing something or you're going through a daily life Like I know that I've had dreams sometimes where it felt like I I lived an entire day, and then I wake Mm -hmm. up in the morning and I have to go to work, and it's like, wait, wasn't I just at work? (laughs) So according to this movie, that meant that I was experiencing the life of another multiversal me going to work and spending an entire day at work. Kind of a weird way of looking at dreams, but that's the way they present. Everybody who dreams is actually – uh, looking into one of their lives in another in another universe, so S-
1: so wackedly freaky. just <laughs> the, the idea, you know, this one actually bugged me, uh, and yeah. uh, it, it may sound strange, but i I feel like they're stealing from God. Hmm. Yeah, because he cause, used dreams. Know, yeah. Yeah, dreams are used prophetically twenty one times in Scripture. And when God uses a dream, it is to support His plan for God's people. Mm -hmm. And when they claimed that all dreams are just windows into the lives of our multiversal selves, it was sort of like you know saying, "Oh no, the dreams are just you know (laughs) peeping Tom into into another version of you." Right. But it it reminded me of Acts two seventeen and. And it will be in the last days, which is actually quoting the prophet Joel. It will be in the last days, says God, that I will pour out my spirit on all people. Then your sons and daughters will prophesy, your young men will see visions, and your old men will dream dreams. And I think we should remember, while God doesn't necessarily use dreams anymore for that purpose, a time is coming where we will likely see it again.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I, I, you think of Joseph, who had, in a dream, an angel came and told him, don't put Mary away, but take care yeah. of her. Or also in another dream, told them, take your family and flee to Egypt. You know, it's like, was he seeing this angel in another <laughs> universal self? <laughs> so, yeah. Oh, what? I, what? How does yeah. that work? <laughs> yeah, so I agree with you. It's like, it does. it is definitely a perversion of dreams. And especially when you dream, when you're not yourself in your in, in your dream. I have a lot of dreams. I'm not myself in my dreams. So what do I? It's not my other uni- universe's self. I'm I'm actually partaking in someone else's life. You know, yeah. another universe. Universe. Yeah. It's it's just a. Uh, well, I mean, you can't expect this movie to. Exactly. <laughs> it was
1: just it, it, that one just got under my skin a little yeah. more than you might expect.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That was definitely weird. It's like
1: when I have my favorite pen on my desk at work and I come to work and my pen is missing
0: because <laughs> oh, somebody yeah.
1: took my tool.
0: Yeah. Yeah. But definitely a perversion there of, of something that, that is definitely used in scripture. So that's what it is. Well, I, that is our coverage. And we still went kind of long on this movie, but we enjoyed discussing this multiverse of madness. I, won't say that it was an enjoyable movie. I don't believe I'll see it again, but I don't think we were completely negative. I don't like to do fully negative reviews, but we probably... I'm not sure what we'll do for June, but I'm sure it will be fun.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, let's go for something, you know, (laughs) a little less heavy.
0: Yeah, something not so mind-bending. It's kind of... I almost feel like we came out of this kind of the same way we came out of the movie Tenet. It's like it was almost... Too hard to talk about, but from a Christian worldview, there definitely were some things in this movie that were worth discussing. And going back to Justin Pierce's comment, there definitely is a lot of witchcraft and sorcery in this movie, and if that's the kind of thing that as a Christian you just think is completely evil, you shouldn't even watch or read books about it, this was definitely a movie to avoid. (laughs) Yeah, And uh, I can't say that there really is anything about the movie that even redeems that Part of the movie, so mm. it, it is unfortunately an aspect of Marvel that they they took a main character who is a sorcerer and showed him in all his arrogance, going against even whatever authorities that he answers to. I mean, even if you think about it, Wong is his 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 superior in this universe, and he even refused to bow to Wong in the customary greeting. Yeah just the arrogance of Doctor Strange as as he's presented in this movie is imaginable I mean it's just like why? it's like why is he presented as a hero? he doesn't present himself as a hero so
1: not quite an anti-hero but something else something
0: else entirely yeah alright well I hope to have everybody join us again in our next episode in June thank you so much for listening I'm Eve Franklin.
1: I'm Tim Martin.
0: And don't just watch. The Christian Podcast Community is a cohesive group of like-minded Christian podcasters proclaiming the truths of Christ with expertise and passion in the areas of theology, church history, Christian living, evangelism, apologetics, parenting, homeschooling, sermons, and much, much more. So check us out at ChristianPodcastCommunity.org, one stop for all your favorite Christian podcasts. Christian dot